material that might not be suitable for children under 18. Parental guidance as well as listener guidance is suggested and recommended. Delaware Crime is not licensed in psychology or psychiatry and opinions are only based on facts of the case. Opinions are only opinions and not factual information. charged with murder. Police say it was he who repeatedly and fatally stabbed 55-year-old psychiatrist Caroline Ekkong in Hokessin, Delaware. Until yesterday, the 21-year-old Frick was a student at the University of Delaware. Now he is an accused killer. It is Thursday night, and the big story on Action News tonight is the latest on a high-profile murder arrest. Action News reporter Chad Perdelli is live at Newcastle County Police in Minkwadu. Chad? Jim Action News has learned that Frick is a senior mathematics major at the University of Delaware. Why he was obsessed with the psychiatrist hasn't been revealed, but police say when he went to her home yesterday morning, he was intent to kill. Police say Christopher Frick broke into Dr. Carolyn Ekong's Hokessin home around 4 a.m. Wednesday, fatally stabbing her multiple times. Dr. Ekong's daughter found the body. After butchering Ekong, police say Frick called police a half hour later from his parents' Newark home and allegedly admitted to the crime. Detectives say a search of his parents' house and his University of Delaware campus apartment uncovered evidence he'd been planning the crime for three years. Hello and happy Monday. This is Nikki and I welcome you to another episode of Delaware Crime Podcast. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. You are all such a blessing, um, you know, for sticking by me as I do this learning curve and learn um, how it all works and what to do, and uh, this being my 15th episode, I just want to thank you because it is a big learning process. It's not something that's easy, like you say, okay, I can do this, yeah. No, it's, it, it takes a lot of research and patience and voice dialect and all that, things, all those things. So I'm not saying you shouldn't do it because it is a very rewarding job, and I, I think a lot of people... You know, like any job, you know, you can do, uh, you can you learn, and you, you know, just go for it. So, I totally, totally encourage people. So, anyway, on that note, and I just really hope you guys had a great weekend. I knew that I did, and, uh, you know, just relaxing. It was quite hot here in Delaware. Uh, so, you know, we the humidity is kind of rough this time of year, but, you know, it's summer. You know, the sun's shining, you know, so that's nice. So anyway, today um, we will discuss 
the senseless and brutal murder of a psychiatrist, Dr. Caroline Econ, in October 2015 in Hocasin, Delaware. And that, she worked at a um, hospital, it's called the Rockford Center, and they deal with mental, people with mental issues, they, they treat them. Um, and uh, also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and it said that on their website, that they deal with uh, people with addiction, which is wonderful. So, um, so, let, so let's, let's go and get into it. So, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, talk about Caroline, uh, Dr. E. Cog, a lot, because I think in a lot of these cases where murder happens, the, the murderer gets all the attention. Um, and, uh, you know, that's... And then the, the person that's murdered him is, uh, looks like it was something that they deserved or something, but... Which is not the case in here. Definitely not. And uh, we're dealing with... And I want to... I do want to say, um, before I get started, that, you know, mental illness... I've, I've struggled with mental illness, with depression, and... Um, you know, uh, I, my anxiety has been, you know, I, I take medication for anxiety, okay, so, so I have a serious anxiety issue from past experiences, and so I'm going to share that, and that there, that mental is issues are not something to take lightly or judge anybody for, but I think, sadly, in, in some ways, it is like a way to get out of jail free card, meaning that people use that to uh, avoid consequences okay so i'm just going to leave it there and not say anything else so um i'm going to pretty much prove out uh dr e kong here because she had she was such an amazing individual i mean i literally was crying reading this and with her family and her she had um a, a son and a daughter what they said and i mean i i just you know I'm very close with my kid, my son, and, uh, you know, he's a teenager, and we're very, we have a very close relationship, and, you know, so that's, um, you know, that's, I can relate to that, so, um, but here we go, so, Dr. Caroline, Caroline, I'm sorry, E. Kong was full of life in the months before her murder. She was newly married and ready to work less and spend more time with the family and on a non on nonprofit work, which, you know, that's wonderful, you know. And I wanna tell you she was fifty five, so, you know, she just got married, it was her second marriage and, you know, met the man you know, man of her dreams, a, a good person. So this was really nice. So she was newly married and she was ready to work less and spend more time with family on her nonprofit work. Her family has said that Dr. Caroline E. Kong Edom, E. Kong, I'm sorry, E. Kong and Edom, which is her her husband at the time's name, uh, wife, mother, daughter, sister, aunt, friend, and medical practitioner in the state of Delaware on October 14th. 2015, she was uh, taken from this earth and murdered. So, Caroline was born in Newcastle upon Tyne, England. That's pretty awesome. I don't even know where that is, but I did look on the map, and it's, you know, um, 
in England, you know. So, on February 29th, 1960, uh, to I'm Uka Emba and the late Professor Akpan Uko Emba of Yukana Nasak I seen Udam local government. Okay, so Aqua Imbam State, Nigeria. So she actually was born in Nigeria. So the family moved back to Nigeria when Caroline was four years old, where she grew up and attended the international school Ibadan. She attended and received her medical education from the prestigious University College Hospital, University of Badan, Badan, which is very impressive. I don't care where you go to med, where you're going to uh, med school or getting your degree. That's you know that, that's awesome. Caroline was an intelligent student who excelled in all her studies. She wrote and spoke elo eloquently and was known to be one of the smartest in her class. Wow, how cool is that? She believed in giving you your her all and studied hard for exams at the times, sitting up all night, a practice known as TDB, till daybreak, among students in Nigeria. Wow, I don't know if I could... You know, I am kind of a night person. I'm kind of a night owl, but I wouldn't say that I was... Uh, <laughs> Went somebody could stay up all night. Not not at my age, at least. Uh, maybe when I was in my 20s. She wrote and spoke um, eloquently, like I said. Uh, after, so, um, you know, after her medical education, she provided primary care in the National Youth Service Corps. And then followed at the Yabu Psychiatric Hospital in Lagos, Nigeria. Following her heart, she married Dr. E. Kong, A. E. Kong, and moved to the United States in 1988. She continued her medical education and training in Delaware. Here, she was blessed with the birth of two beautiful children. Um, come on, oh, I'm sorry, Kokamana, Ma, Kokama. I'm Ekong, which is, she goes by Coco, um, her nickname's Coco, in 1992, and Kaini Abasi Joshua Nisek Ekong in 1996. So she definitely kind of right on four years apart, pretty, pretty, pretty good amount of time there. And um, I have actually conversed with Coco, um, her daughter, and she's just, both of them are amazing children. I, I gotta tell you, just full of love, such loving, just like she was, okay, so. Um, they were the pride and joy of her life, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you look on Caroline's Facebook page, it was all her kids. I mean, that's, that's kind of how my Facebook page is. It's like all my, ch you know, my son, I only have one son. So, you know, she was so proud of them, and, uh, you know, just a wonderful mother, okay. So, um, she would proudly say that they were her best work, the jewels of her crown and her biggest achievement. She worked 
so hard to make sure that the that her cherubs okay had the best and had the best and always kept their futures in mind Caroline worked hard and successfully became a double board certified child and adult psychiatrist in Delaware. She practiced at she practiced at Rockford Center and Delaware Guidance as well as several other psychiatric facilities around the state. She was a well-respected member of the medical community with professional affiliations in America an American Pediatric Association um, and PD and um, I'm sorry, American Psychiatric Association and Psychiatric Society of Delaware, Psychiatric Academy of Child and Adolescent, and the American Academy of Clinical Psychiatrists. So she was involved in a lot of affiliations and had a lot of titles. She was. Just very good at what she did. Um, so, a compassionate and dedicated physician, Caroline was beloved by co-workers and patients alike. She always believed in doing God's work. So, she was very spiritual, and she did believe in God. And that, you know, that's a, that's something that I do. I try not. I don't um, share my religion on the podcast, but I will say, you know, there's a lot of things I have overcome. And it's because of God. So I, I am a very spiritual person myself. So in doing God's work, enthusiastically encourage others to do the same. Caroline Caroline was professional, passionate, and meticulous at her work. Adding another jewel to her crown on September 4, 5th, 2014, she was blessed with the marriage to her second husband, John T. Edom, National President's President of Aqua Abam State Association of Nigeria, USA, Inc., at Akisan. They were building a life together and were active members of the Aqua Abam community. As the first lady of Akasan, she was an ardent supporter of the community and its charitable programs, and is seen as an Akasan as I'm sorry, it, okay, I'm sorry, and exhibited exceptional leadership acumen in mobilizing its its women. That means that she focused on the women, in, and, and it was an inspirational role model as she utilized her medical skills at every opportunity to educate the communities about her general medical and psychiatric um, ish, um, if when it came you know when people had those issues in her group she was always ready to give them advice and there are not enough words to express how beautiful Caroline was inside and out she was an amazing wife mother Daughter, friend, sister, aunt, colleague, mentor, and psychiatrist. She was stylish. She was stylish, driven, generous, funny, witty, and loving. All wrapped up in one beautiful person. Wow. Caroline was always cheerful. She had a passion for life and a big infectious smile. And I have to tell you, I did see her smile in several pictures. Um, that like when I did my research on Facebook, I mean she had the most beautiful 
smile, or was it like one of those fake smiles that people sometimes put out? She, I mean, her smile lit up the room, literally. I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, and brighten up anyone's day, um, and it did, it really did. She was always animated, lively, witty, outgoing, and warm, with a good sense of humor. This, she sounds similar to me, I hate to say. We, we, we would probably get, we would have been about best friends. Her laugh was contagious as she would throw her head down and slap her thigh when she heard something funny. Her articulation was impeccable as she would tell vivid stories about various things from books, movies, events, and to life itself. Carolyn's dialect and the way she could tell a story would have her listeners enraptured and feel as though they shared the same experience. I have a friend like that, an older a friend in her 70s, kind of like that. She tells really great stories. Um, <clears throat> her friends would regularly quote her on some of her famous phrases. She was known to be a zealous shopper and always wore amazing shoes along with trendy handbags. How cool is that? Oh, I love that. I love people that like shoes like that. I just they they were the cool the one most adore, most wonderful shoes show. I mean, you look at them and you think, wow. I mean, I literally could not wear. I can't wear high heels. I had hip surgery in two thousand one, but I love to look at women's heels. They're just absolutely beautiful. Um. She took note of beautiful of the beauty of nice things. She was an avid traveler, attended concerts, and loved the glamour and glitz of movies and theater, which is one of the things my son and I love. We love movies and theater. We're really into that. That's a big thing. My son wants to actually be um, getting into computer animation and even um, movie production of all types. He, that's like his thing. So. She took uh, note of the uh, of the beauty of nice things. You know, she, you know. Carolyn had the unique ability to make everyone feel special and her host of girlfriends that were spread out all over many continents. With continents was like family. She adored dogs and treated her and treated hers as a member of the of the family. <laughs> Whether, and I love that. I love people that are, are good to dogs. I just love that. Um, she, whether someone was a close friend of hers um, or just met her in passing, Carolyn showed a generous interest in people. And, and that's another way I'm like her. Um, just not, not completely because she was so smart, but... Just, you know, I, I can talk, to, I can always talk to people and get them, to, you know, smiling and that's uh, something I'm proud of sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't always work the way I like it to, but, <laughs> um, and she would tell you stories about, and their well-being. She just was so loving. She would be talking about their well-being and uh, she cared not only for her family members, but for her close circle of friends as well. She truly knew how to take care of people, move mountains for the people she cared about and loved. She would always turn a negative into a positive. My kind of woman, when you turn a negative into a positive, that that says, I'll tell you, that's, I love that. That's, you know, when you get older, I'm 50, I'm almost 55, so I was the same age as she was when she passed. And I can tell you, that's, 
a lot of that is is age, uh, you know, and wisdom of your age. And I tell you, so that I love. That's that's my kind of woman right there. Um, so Caroline was extraordinarily genuine, genuinely caring soul, and impacted her world with. And that's uh, and I looked this up. It's called Gerada Vivera. Called Strada Bivara, which means exuberant and full of life. So it's Strada Bivara, and uh, I love that. I I didn't know what that meant, and I said I gotta look that up. Um, when I saw it in my research, and it means exuberant and full of life, and I love that. I'm gonna be using that 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 saying from now on. Okay, Carolyn, I know you're up there thinking I'm a crazy person, but I am, and no, you, she wouldn't be thinking that. She was so sweet, but I want to say thank you, Caroline, for giving me, for ha giving me that phrase. It's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, so, um, you know, that, I thought that was just really neat that she went by that. Her children have said she was one, was one of a kind, and that's, you know, when your children say that about you, that's really awesome, you know. Um, she was absolutely, hands down, the most loving, caring, and huge-hearted individual, mother, daughter, wife, sibling, aunt, best and best friend you could ever meet. Many of her patients who attended her memorial service in honor of her said she was... That she, there was never a psychiatrist that they ever had been with that helped them more than Dr. Um, Ekong. So she helped people. I mean, she, she, you know, when you find a guy, I've been to very, been to very bad psychiatrists and good, and very good psychiatrists. And I mean, when you go to a good one, like Dr. Ekong, like Carolyn was, then you, it really does help. And I have to tell you, I went to a lady. She actually passed away also, um, unexpectedly, but it was from health issues, but she was Pam Bushnell, and I'm, maybe some people know her here. Um, I didn't know she was passed away until years later, but she was such, um, so amazing. She helped me so much, I can't even tell you. And I actually went to see her because of, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, my son had some um, medical things going. But anyway, so we, you know, not enough about me. Why am I talking? So I just wanted to tell you that when you have somebody, my point is, when you have a psychologist who cares, like Carolyn did, then you would, that makes such a difference. So, um, so many of her patients attended her more service than I said they they never had a psychiatrist that they had ever seen that helped them more than her. Also stating how loving, supportive, and caring she was. She went above and beyond as a psychiatrist because she really cared about every one of her patients. Just like she helped... Just like she really cared about and wanted to help Christopher Frick. He... Even with his delirium for mental illness, stating she wasn't that Caroline that she wasn't Caroline cared about all her patients, and she really wanted to help Christopher. I mean, she wasn't like out to get him. 
I mean, and I'll get into that, why he was uh, first brought to the hospital. And I did um, a lot of research. Just like in the last day, I came up with things. Um, you know, I try to research my things fully, but I had, uh, you know, um, some help, uh, some input, and um, that really, that helped me. And so I found some things out, too. So that was really good. Okay, so she cared about all of patients, and even Frisch, you know, Christopher Frisch. She wanted to help him, you know, she had, you know, but when people don't want, they have to want to help people. They they can't just say, oh, yeah, blame me, blah, 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 no, mm-mm, okay. So some psychiatrists, and I wanted to point this out, that some psychiatrists know that despite the rarity of violence on the part of their patients, we are still at risk. They know that they are like the vi like victims of more violence from their patients compared with other medical specialists and nurses. Okay, knowing that can paralyze us. Knowing that can paralyze paralyze them with fear, so they have to develop a sense for when the risk is higher. And you know, Caroline did this. Her coworker said that she was very, you know, um, this was a kind of case where you would never think. That somebody, I mean, he hadn't seen her in three years. And he really, technically, was not just treated by her. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So, um, this was something that, she, you know, she hadn't seen him in three years. So, you know, as it said in that clip. So, um, but other, um, so, you know, um, so knowing that, that, you know, they can, um, the risk is hard, but otherwise go about their daily work under the assumption that they are safe and you know You have to I mean, it's just like do you have a choice? This is your job, you know, it's like it, you know, when you're When the you know, it gambles the COVID when everybody had COVID did the nurses stop working? No, they were at risk So I know it's not uh, not uh, the you know a you know, it's always, you're always at risk. Like a policeman, they go out every day. Uh, a soldier, you know, a fireman, an EMT. They don't know what's going to happen. So, um, anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, but otherwise they go about their daily day. They also know how difficult it is to predict violence in their patients. So, that was, you know... <laughs> That's obviously something that happened. Uh, when Dr. Ekong last saw Frick three years ago, three years before her murder. I mean, she hadn't seen him in three years. She, but why, how would she ever expect that? And it wasn't a long period of time, you know. Um, and so it was three years before her murder, before he murdered her, an evaluation ending up as an inpatient commitment due um, due to not just her evaluation, but several other doctors who also evaluated Frick, Frick before he was admitted in 2012, and, and that was like, you know, 2012, and it was eventually released, and he was 18 at the time, and he eventually was released 10 days later, and never seen by Ekong, Dr. Ekong, again, Till he showed up at her home and murdered her in 2015. So she didn't probably didn't even when he did show up at her house. She, he probably she's probably like, who's this? Why is this person doing? I mean, they, you know. Um. 
Why would Econ, Con, Dr. Econ worry about Frick, Christopher Frick hurting her or even suspect it? With the sudden and unexpected nature of her death, what advice would she give us? Who would have taken the alleged perpetrator's online review as a threat? We, and As far as I know, she might not have even seen those reviews. Um, and it was, they weren't threatening. I, I'm going to read them um, and in, this pod, in this episode. Given the general violence in the U.S. along with the growing anti-psychiatric rhetoric, more caution is needed. And, and uh, I will also get into that. They did try to um, pass, uh, they had a petition out to try to pa- pass a law that would, um, you know, protect. It's, it's funny because they have lots of laws, and I think that's good. I'm not putting that down for the patients and their privacy, but none for the... For the healthcare professionals or anybody, any of these, the doctors, you know, it's crazy. Okay, so anyway, um, a website called Mad in America comments or posts are like kill all psychiatrists and throw Dr. Doctor Dr. Muffick under the bus. I, okay, so obviously there is a lingering resentment against psychiatrists. Dr. Carolyn Ecog would have hoped for forgiveness from patient she tried to help, as we would, we all would. But this is sadly something sometimes not a person with mental illness fit how they think. Okay, they are far from thinking rationally and are in denial about how mentally ill they are. Many might be in denial. Econ, Dr. Econ had no idea what her former psych psychiatric patient Christopher Frick was planning. She had not seen him or talked to him in three years. He had written about his treatment at the Rockford Center where he had been treated years earlier by Dr. Econ for serious mental issues. And so this is what he wrote. Um, November 2014, not even a year before Frick was before Frick murdered her, saying in an online review, and like I said, he was there in 2012. So this is two years later, 2014, okay? Christopher Frick complained about his treatment at Rockford Center. He wrote, don't be fooled. This place is a prison for for a profit company, Universal Health Services. Even the most virtuous and non-suicidal person in the world will be in prison so the staff can keep their corrupt jobs and aid in the uh, United Health Services endeavor to exploit as many people as possible. Which this, by the way, this none of this stuff that he wrote was ever proven, and uh, they, you know it was not even true. Rockford can make thousands of dollars on one prisoner in less than a week at the expense of the prisoner's dignity and sense of humanity. And that, that definitely wasn't true. Because I looked up this up and I looked at United uh, Health Services and they they don't make... I mean, I'm not saying they don't, you know, I know the insurance companies can be make money off of people, but that was not the case. Um, you know, so... From, um, so the typical fallback is that they only care about the safety of their patients, be, but being prisoned like an animal will truly help no one. And I wouldn't, you know, I'll get into that. It was not, Rafford Center was not like a prison. Uh, for me specifically, the justification of my imprisonment 
And I love how you use it, imprisonment. Like it was in prison. It wasn't. Uh, Rockford Center is actually one of the better, most uh, nicer, most um, exciting, you know, just more like a, one of the better hospitals. Okay? Um, for me specifically, the justification of my imprisonment was due to the answer of vague questions. Have you ever had suicidal thoughts? And I thought this was interesting. As if most of us people have in their entirety of their lives at least one occasion thought of take, like at least he thinks everybody thought about taking their lives. And and I'm not saying that it hasn't gone in people's minds, but they're not like, you know, talking about it. And yet this was used as a justification to make me appear as a danger to myself and others. Okay. You know, I mean, let's face it here. <laughs> and you know, I wanted to point out, and I was going to put talk about that later. His parents brought him to the Rockford Center. It was his parents, because apparently he was harming them. So I'm not saying he was beating them up or anything, but he, you know, was violent and talking about ending his life. So you know, what, what? Okay. And um, I do have a confirmation on that. So, um, so. Uh, he said, and despite my, and, and no desire to, I had no desire to commit suicide, and despite my lack of any suicide attempt in my whole life, which is also not true, I found that out, the person who imprisoned me was Caroline Econ, whose ego is so large that she would never be able to admit that she was wrong, and that's, was so not Caroline. <laughs> Caroline had the heart of gold, and she always admitted when she was wrong. So she was actually, from what I heard, she was very hard on herself at times. So, and another, um, then he wrote another one, and it was, um, you know, titled as Criminal Activity at Rockford Center. Um, so roughly two years ago, my parents, um, took me for an eva this is uh, Christopher talking, took me for an evaluation due to the recommendations of others. I was 18 and had no idea, and I want to say that he, when he killed Dr. Um, Ekong, he was 21. So this was like three years later, so like what, what was the deal with that? So he clearly had a lot of uh, mental and anger issues, okay? Um, so, um, you know, so he, okay, so he said that his parents, um, took me for an evaluation due to recommendations of others. I was 18 and had no idea that psychiatrists, that, and he, like he said, psychiatrists, because it was not just one, I, you know, I actually called Blackboard Center, and they say they don't let somebody in, or they don't admit somebody, um, until they have, have let them talk to many, you know, several psychiatrists. Um, so that, that, I wanted to point that out. Someone they deem to be a danger to themselves and others. There's a major problem with how the policy of involuntary imprisonment is implemented. <laughs> like I said, you say in prison. And I, I, I mean, I looked at um, pictures online of Rapper Center, and there's courtyards everywhere, and I mean, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I, I think he's like exaggerated, you know, it's a little, hmm. There's a major problem with how the involuntary imprisonment is implemented. 
Then he went to repeat the exact same thing about universal health care, about how they made money off the patient. Apparently, it was taken. Apparently, I guess he had said something about taking it to court. I'm not sure. And when Frick did not get the results he wanted, he blamed it on the fact that he was told from Rockford Center about the Del that he wasn't told about the Delaware Code. And his human rights were violated. That Rockford should be investigated. <laughs> and there was nothing like that going on. Uh, I was so informed. I was also informed, you know, in my... I, I have to tell you, I was informed, and I um, somebody had mentioned this to me, and then I investigated, and I talked to somebody at the center. Um, and I, you know, so his parents, I'm not putting them down, you know, we all try. They were also, um, well, at least the father was bipolar. And they were both screaming and threatening staff members at the Rockford Center when they you know, admitted him. And they were the ones that brought him in. They later supported his nonsense, knowing that Frick was schizophrenic, psychotic, and prone to aggressive behavior. So I'm, I'm like, hello? I mean, I, uh, you know, they knew this. He had the, gotten the diagnosis, and he had been hearing voices since he was in his head, and he was four. From what I've seen on their social media, his parents, the, from their social media, the parents, they enjoy partying, marijuana, ugly politics, and women's breasts. I, honestly, I'm not going to say their names, but they, that's what I saw on their Facebook page. They barely acknowledged that Christopher's their son, even before he had murdered Dr. E. Kong. So, I, I, I'm assuming because he had mental issues, they, you know, really didn't have a lot to say about him because one post, some he posted a thing about, uh, you know, his son being on a, a cart when they went to the beach or something. This before the murder happened, and uh, you know, people saying, "I didn't even know you had a son." I mean, come on, hello. So, um, from what I, so I, you know, like I said, I'm not judging, but I, I think when you're a big partier and you're doing marijuana and you know, they didn't say anything about, like, you know, his problems or, you know, there's, there's like, no pictures. Not even, like, hardly one picture on either one of their pages, okay? And I know it's embarrassing to have a kid that is a murderer. I get that. But even before the murder, they didn't have any pictures. So I thought that was pretty, you know, before 2015, I looked at their stuff and they were, no. Okay, so... I'm not judging, like I said, but, you know, and I, you know, you know, so I just feel like they might, you know, um, no wonder they, they didn't know the plot, his plot to kill Dr. E, Dr. E. Kong. I mean, if they weren't paying attention, you know, uh, you, you know, you gotta watch what your kids say to do. You can't just send them off to college and get an apartment and say, hey, do what you want. You know, you can't do that. I mean, I, mean, I know that a lot of kids go away um, to school, but you have to keep updated with your children. I mean, uh, you know, you do. If something, especially with him, knowing that he had mental illness and, you know, they didn't keep up with it. And he was just down the street, University of Delaware, which they only lived 10 minutes away from, okay? Um, 
And, you know, I believe he was sent up to college, where, and his mom was, uh, did a lot of things for um, the you know, University of Delaware security things, and so she was an employee there, and I think that was like, you know, um, you know, something, you know, that she just got him in and was able to get him in there, and, you know, if he got out of, out of line with his, health, his mental health issues, she just kind of would, um, you know... Um, you know, just, you know, say, okay, you know, I, I get, you know, I understand that, you know. Um, so anyway, you know, she just stay with jail. We understand. We'll let it go, whatever. So, um, so, um, you know, so when uh, many that lived um, in the same dormitory Okay, many of them that lived in the same dormitory said they were afraid of Frick. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, because as far as they knew, he was doing a lot of recreational drugs, um, marijuana, they said he could have been doing heroin. I mean, if you look at his pictures, um, he's got a lot of marks on his face, so I'm wondering, and I don't, you know, I can't confirm that, but that's what people said in his, not dormitory, or his apartment complex, I'm sorry, the apartment complex. They would say they were afraid of Frick, he was always wasted and combative when they, he approached anyone, when he would walk out of his apartment. As well as taking, talking about his plot to kill someone that he'd that done him wrong, that had done him wrong, but never saying who. So he was like talking about it to people. I mean, come on. Now, they didn't know who it was because we say, oh, it's a psychiatrist. They had no idea. But, um, you know, police found tons of emails and letters sent to parents and friends. That's why I wonder what was going on there about his plot. And they were ignored. Even knowing, you know, they were ignored even knowing he had been plotting to kill Dr. Ecock for over a year before his murder. So even if he didn't say her name... Why wasn't there anything done to combat this? And when I look at people's pages and I see that all they do is like party, party, party. They don't care about their... I mean, come on. I'm just saying. Okay, so... Um, you even see, you know, his parents uh, on social media partying several days after the murder. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I was looking at a thing, it was like right around the murder time, and they're partying and acting like nothing's wrong. So, I, I just, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm not taking up for Fritz, um, but, you know, that's sad. You wonder, like, really what that kid was going through. So, um, so there, there, is, there are signs, and, you know, there were, there was tons of emails that the police found. Um, after, that wasn't the police's fault, um, but, you know, people were getting the signs, and, you know, the police can't uh, magically appear when there's a problem. Somebody has to call them, so I think, you know, there could have been something done about this, so, um, you know, I mean, and Dr. Keogh didn't know uh, this was happening. Dr. Keogh, I'm sorry, she did not know, Carolyn didn't know that this person was, uh, you know, out to murder her, plotting to murder her. She did, probably didn't even remember where he was. She sees so many patients. So, because um, it wasn't a, a long thing. He was only there for 10 days. She didn't really have a connection with him. He was seeing other doctors. So, you know. 
So I am going to take a break now and do a commercial um, for, I'm going to um, do it, have a commercial for Audible, which I just love Audible and I want to say this, it, you know, when Audible is like so great for us because, you know, we like to be in our computers and our, um, we're not big phone people, but we, if we're out someplace and we're waiting we get on the phones and we don't want to like exactly like text people we're not texters my son and i he's 17 um and we do um you know we do a lot of reading with the audible and i homeschool my son and in the school year we use audible a lot for that um for lessons and it just is such a wonderful thing because not only like i love kindle too i use that sometimes but it's great because you can listen. You're listening, just like a podcast. You know, you're listening to all the facts. So um, I'm going to stop for a quick commercial for Audible, and we'll be right back with the rest of the story. Listen. Come closer. What's more powerful than a voice in your ear? Even through hours of motorway monotony, a voice can make you imagine anything. Cradling a baby dragon as it draws its first breath. Or strangling your lover as he exhales his last. When we listen, amazing things happen in here. Audible. An Amazon company. Download your first audiobook for free at www.audible.com. Audible. Amazing things happen when you listen. Okay, we're back. Hello, and I hope you enjoyed that Audible commercial. Like I said, we just love Audible because it's just so easy, and it's like listening to someone tell you a story, pretty much, and we just totally love it. Um, so, okay, now, I looked through um, endless reviews and comments about Dr. E. Kong's work as a doctor, and I found not only, uh, and I found not one negative comment about her personally. The only negative comments I found were from Frick. From, you know, Christopher Frick. Patients uh, um, were, had said that they loved her and she helped them a lot. And some patients saying that she saved their lives, okay? Um, one of her uh, co-workers said she worked with Econ as a mental health advocate. Um, just a person who believed whatever and what she did and never gave up on people she served. So, you know, she did not give up on people. She didn't want to give up on Christopher Frick, but when people don't, um, you know, want help, you can't force them, okay? Uh, the selfless care and concern she had for her, all her patients of all ages, she could not even measure. It was so great. Her commitment to help the younger patients and all patients and their families was immeasurable. 
um, and one of her neighbors who lived a few houses down from Ekong for years called her an intelligent, confident, happy, and loving human. She was a great mama, a mama bear, comfortable and confident. She raised two great kids and was a dream neighbor to have. So, um, a few of her neighbors said that. Caroline wanted to help Frick, Christopher Frick, but between his mental issues and his parents being enablers, it was beyond anything Caroline could do to help. I'm sure if the Fricks had listened to Dr. E. D. Kong and let her help them, she'd still let her help Christopher, she would still be alive today. Not going in there and screaming at him like maniacs and, you know, the parents went in there and screamed at the employees, the police after, I mean, come on. That doesn't help anybody, okay? So I'm sure if they had listened and let Dr. Econ e e and you know, the other doctors help, they, she'd still be with us today, which makes me very upset. It is not clear if Caroline or any of the staff at Rockford saw the review before e Dr. Econ was murdered by Christopher Frick. If they had, it was not something they were concerned about, and how would they ever guess that it would would end in, in Dr. T. E. Kong's brutal, brutal murder. So, you know, I, I read you those um, before the break, and they weren't, like, threatening. I mean, he was just complaining. So he didn't say, I'm going to go and kill her. So he didn't say that. So how would, even if they read those, they wouldn't have, uh, you know, uh, made a big deal. They wouldn't have thought they were bad. So... But reports from doctors submitted to the court indicate... Christopher Frick suffered from a range of illnesses, including schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, which is like psychosis, psychosis, and autism, ex, autism spectrum disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and had for years been hearing voices in his head since he was like four years old. Okay, so, you know, it's sad because this kid was born with mental things going on and that really upsets me because, you know, and with the autism spectrum, I'm going to just come right in and say it. I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, uh, people have to understand that there is a major, major difference with the autism thing. I mean, every kid who has autism is different. Asperger's, you know, is, my son actually has a little bit of Asperger's, and he's very highly functioning. I mean, um, you know, there's people that have, are on autism spectrum become doctors, lawyers. So I don't want to, you know, don't, I don't want to say that, because I know a lot of kids who are on the spectrum, even maybe a little higher up on the spectrum, and they live their lives, they don't murder people, they don't, you know, that, you can, that's what I meant about in the beginning when I said don't use that as an excuse to murder someone. Okay, so just going to leave it there. Okay, so um, um, you know, so he, you know, um, Frick had an involuntary commitment um, to Rockford after his after sick and, and um, you know, after six days, I'm sorry, I thought it was, uh, I apologize, I said ten days, but it's actually six uh, days, he refused treatment even for basic mental and dental checkups. So, you know, Frick was upset 
that Dr. E. Kong and, and, and five other doctors, by the way, had committed him to a mental institution three years prior to her murder in 2012 when he had assaulted his own parents. Okay? So, I, you know... After they, they are released from Rockford, they can choose private counseling with a different psychiatrist that is closer to their home. It makes absolutely no sense that after three years, Frick would still hold a grudge. Especially when e Dr. Young was simply doing her job and trying to help uh, him, keep, you know, Frick keep safe. And if he was suicidal, you know, I, and, you know, she was trying to keep him safe from doing that, like, what... What what was wrong with that? I would be I'd be like bowing down if I were his parents, and I mean, she, you know, saved his life, okay? Um, and that's what some of, a lot of his pa her patients said. Um, so I re researched the protocol of uh, committing a child or a person to Rockford Center. If the child is at risk for harming themselves or others, the police or ambulance must, um, unless you know, like to his case, his parents brought him in. But the police or ambulance must take them to the ER and then have them admitted. From there, they will be transferred to a mental health facility. If it's an adult, the police or ambulance must take them to the hospital, um, and, and even in some cases, children. If mental, if mental health, and he was 18, I remember. If mental health is an issue, they can be committed without their consent because they're danger to themselves or other people. They're evaluated by several psychiatrists. So, like, when he went, you know, when his parents were in there, it wasn't just Dr. Econ that, um, you know, evaluated him. Uh, they were, you know, there were several people, um, counselors. and So, in other words, Econ was not the only doctor that evaluated um, Frick. Three other psychiatrists at Rockford, um, evaluated Frick decided that he was a danger to himself and others. Also, Frick was not admitted was not was admitted because he he was, he might have not been even necessarily suicidal, but he could have just been a danger to others. So you know, it, I mean, he said that you know he thought about suicide, but you know, even if it wasn't something he did, uh, you know, they could have evaluated him and thought differently. He, he was transferred, uh, then, you know, they're transferred to, you know, um, because, you know, that's, they transferred them to Christian Hospital and then the Rockford Center. Um, and I wanted to say that Rockford Center is nothing like a prison, as Fick stated in the review he wrote in 2014. They have many social workers, social services, counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, nurses, doctors, Healthy and wonderfully prepared breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a full cafeteria and a coffee shop. Fully equipped gym, several therapy groups, job training classes with basic and college level classes. There is as well as um, group homes for transition. So like, you know, they have group homes where they can go and transition into, um, and when the patients are re released and well, they also have residential um, apartment housing available for them. And, you know, I'm not claiming any place is perfect. I mean, it is a hospital for people with addiction and people with mental issues. But, you know, um, there were some complaints about um, the staff back before Caroline worked there, um, Doctor, you know, because she wouldn't put up with that. Um, there were some things about 
um, you know, staff members, uh, you know, maybe uh, mishandling the the uh, patients. But that was then when Carolyn was there, they all um, they all were um, required to do take sensitivity training and pass at least five background checks. Staff is immediately fired they put their hands on a patient inappropriately or even speak to a patient in an emotionally abusive manner. Far from a prison, Frick has stated in his review. I'm not sure after serving six years in the Delaware Psychiatric Hospital that he would rather be at the Rockford Center, I'm sure. Frick then, on October fourteenth, uh, two 2005, bought a hunting knife Practice picking locks. Even took a take took a class on it and, and fixated on revenge for being placed in the Rockford Center by a, psych a psychiatric facility in Stanton, where Frick, Frick had been treated for three years prior. The mentally ill man knew, so he'd been, I, you know, planning this. They said a year, but then other people have said it was three years. Uh, the mentally ill man knew. The linear phases of the moon and under cover and under the cover of darkness on October 14th, 2015, he went to E. Cotton's home on Wither, Withers Way in Sanford Bridge, Hocassin neighborhood. He entered the back door, took off his shoes, and went into her bedroom. He used pepper spray and then brutally stabbed the 55-year-old mother leaving bloody footprints and stained walls and, and floors. Caroline E. Kong, who was in her, in her life a hero, fought the bravest fight. And she really was a hero. So, um, Judge Ferris Wharton, who was the judge in, in Superior Court in Wilmington, sentenced uh, Frick, and I, I have to say, and I, I you know, he was the prosecutor in the Anne Marie Fahey case, and then he became a judge. So I thought that was interesting. So, um, sentence Frick, twenty-two to life in prison plus twenty-five years. Um, Frick pleaded guilty but mentally ill to first-degree murder and weapons charges. Much of the hearing focused on Econ's legacy, her family, and friends. And I want to tell you, um, this is going to make you. Sad. Her family friends packed a small courtroom. Her daughter Coco, um, 24, described her sleepless nights anxiety after finding her mother dead in the foyer. Despite this, she and her 20-year-old brother, Kaini, I'm sorry, I would say, them, are succeeding in their work and studies to make their mother proud. My mother was a woman of integrity. She said she was a wife, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a friend, a godmother, a stepmother, mom, a, a colleague, and a great medical practitioner. Mostly, most importantly to me and my brother, she was and is our mother, Coco told Wharton. Her mother loved Christmas time. I do too. I love Christmas time too. That's my favorite. The decorating of the tree, the wrapping of the gifts, and the pictures of her children and dogs next to the tree. I love all that stuff. Oh, her and I were, could have been best friends. Um, now Coco instead has images in her mind of the cuts on her mother's fingers, the funeral 
whom tried to pied with flowers. If, a, if small paper cuts can leave an unbearably intense, sharp pain, then imagine how imagine how an illegal hunting knife would feel, she said. Not just one cut, but several cuts. Several stabs. Every time I think about this, my stomach drops and I want to throw up, she added. I wanted to help her, but I, but I couldn't. I wanted to make her feel better, but I couldn't. You know, that was, I just can't even imagine. The judge could sentence for, uh, could have sentenced Frick to nothing less than the mandatory sentence of life. This was very, very tragic case where someone was obviously obsessed with another individual, said Colonel E.M. Setting of Newcastle County Police. And I have to say, I actually, um, he's retired, but um, uh, police, uh, Colonel Setting was actually, um, it, I went to high school with him. I graduated with him in 19... 84. I know, I'm aging myself there, but he, he's a wonderful human being, and he was a wonderful policeman when he, before he retired. He was just wonderful. Um, so, Frick had become, so we, he was obviously obsessed with another individual, said Colonel Setting of the Newcastle County Police. Frick had become fixated on the psychiatrist and plotted to kill her. She had no idea that he was dead planned. This investigators allegedly found numerous documents giving them the insight into the extent of Frick's obsession with the psychiatrist. The killing happened early Wednesday morning inside E. Dr. Ekong's home in the unit block of Withers Way. Police said that Frick parked his vehicle in a lot near E. Kong's home, then broke in and confronted her. There was an altercation, police said. Then Frick stabbed Ekong multiple times. His intention was to commit homicide, said police. Ekong's body was found by her daughter Coco at 4 a.m. About a half an hour, but about a half hour later. So I mean, I actually did talk to Coco. I just can't even imagine. And this, his, her children are so. Wonderful. They're just like her. And I just can't imagine walking in and seeing your mother like that. I, you know, I have a relationship with my mother, a good relationship, and I just can't. I'd be sick. And, you know, or my son, if he had to walk into something like that. I mean, I just cannot believe that. That that a poor girl, and she's just so wonderful. She, She's a nurse, and she's just absolutely wonderful. Okay. Um, and then Burley stabbed the 15-year-old mother, leaving bloody friends for the stained walls on and the floors. And she was a hero. And she fought the bravest fight. She fought to, you know, not leave her children. But, you know, wasn't going to happen, you know, with Christopher Frick. He was, he was, he was there to kill her for some reason. We'll never understand why, what was going through his head, you know. But uh, Judge Ferris Wharton in Superior Court in Wilmington sentenced Frick at, at the time, then, you know, this is years later, he was 22, to life in prison, pressed 20 years. Um, Frick pleaded guilty, but mentally to first degree murder, mentally ill to first degree murder and a weapons charge. Um, so, you know, 
Okay, um, but Jared, so, you know, okay. Police said they received a call from Frick right after the murder. They received a call from Frick, who allegedly said he was responsible for the woman's death. Newcastle County Police said within a half an hour, about 4.27 a.m., we received a call from the subject giving us information that he was responsible for the incident. Patrol units went on to a home on Springbrook, Springbrook Lane in Autumn Wood Development and took him into custody. And I have to tell you, ironically, I grew up right across from that development. You know, my mom lived right near that development, so I grew, like, grew up right near there. And that is a very nice neighborhood. I knew people that live in there. They're very nice people. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I'm sure they were horrified. And I do remember them being very, pretty horrified because that's a very nice neighborhood. Uh, you know, they always put stuff in the front of Christmas lights. You know, not neighborhoods don't do that, but they do. And uh, just a very sweet neighborhood. Um, anyway, so Superior Court Judge Parrish Wharton nevertheless found that Frick was competent enough to know what he was doing when he repeatedly stabbed Dr. E. Kunk and planned her murder of a year, or in some cases three years. He was an honor student in high school and during the murder he was a physics major, physics math major at University of Delaware so even though he had mental illness, he was competent enough to get good grades and attend college, and therefore he was competent enough to plan her murder for one to three years and execute the murder of Caroline Ecog. Judge Wharton did approve him to stay in the Delaware Psychiatric Hospital for treatment, but then he would have to be placed in Ganderhill Prison. But currently, Frisk is still at Delaware Psychiatric Hospital, even six years at the murder, where he is able to eat three meals a day, sleep in a comfortable bed, have his own private television, phone, and computer access, and daily visits from family members. So, you know, <laughs> ah, okay, because I, you know, I called up there and... Um, asked them, you know, what what that what they entail, especially if they'd been in there for six years. So, a luxury, and you know, what what upsets me is that that's a luxury that Frick took away from Carolyn E. Kong when he savagely murdered her. In my eyes, for nothing, except that he, I believe, and you know, I'm not trying to judge here, but I believe that he was a spoiled, entitled brat with dysfunctional, neglectful parents. And I'm just going to say it, and I probably will, you know, my mom says to me, be careful, my sweet mother says to me, be careful what you say on these bad dads, and, <coughs> and she's just looking out for me, but I do feel, you know, that, um, that's just my opinion, you know, you neglect your ch children, and this is what happened, um, and I believe that he was just as entitled brat, like he didn't, you know, he was upset because he, his feelings got hurt, or I don't know, yeah, and I do feel like some of it had to do with his mental illness, but when you kill somebody, and there's a lot of people who have mental illness, and they don't kill people, I'm sorry, um, and, you know, during the trial, um, Frick's mother and defense attorney, they had, they felt like they had to talk 
they really didn't have to, but they felt like they had to, okay? Um, and they made him out, his defense attorney and his mother made him out to be this choir boy, you know, they said he was reading the Bible now, and on, med and you know, they said, oh, he's doing well now, he's on medication, he, he's a different person, blah, 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 and I felt like saying, well, why didn't that happen, uh, before he killed this poor woman? Why didn't that happen? You know, that, that's sort of upsetting. That could have been something that was done. So that's what really got me upset. Uh, you know, and, you know, then he, in the midst of all this, Frick mustered up a little, uh, up a little too late apology. Oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. So, um, his parents have stated that, um, his mom have stated that Frick was sorry, but to this day, the Frick's, Frick's, Christopher Frick's parents have stated that Frick, uh, Christopher Frick was sorry, but, um, to this day, you know, today, what is it, like, you know, July 18th, 2021, or whatever, um, that they have never apologized to the family. Um, you know, they, they've never apologized to, um, the, you know, made personal face of his apology to Caroline's family members or children. They, you know, this, this is his parents, and they never offered any help or support to them. You know, it was almost like they, you know, I saw one of the things um, in a Facebook post how the father was kind of taken up for him. I mean, he didn't, didn't, wasn't talking about what he did, but, you know, they just, I guess they just thought it wasn't necessary. And to me, this speaks volumes about their character as parents. They told the police they knew nothing about the plot to care Carolyn, but a statement revealed later after the trial towards leaned towards deception and that they were aware. So I'm just going to say that. I'm just doing my research. Unlike Frick's parents, Caroline was a wonderful, doting, dedicated, single mom who had a great and close relationship with uh, with her children, who have thrived in life as a testament to their, um, as an honor and a testament to their wonderful mother. Teachers, parents, and friends have said that Caroline was very involved in her children's life in a healthy way. She gave them the skills to thrive, be compassionate, and to love others. She was religious and, and a spiritual person who had a smile that would light up a room, just like her daughter and son. You know, it just feels, I feel, it makes me so sad. She was always so proud of her children. And they were proud to have her as a mother. And that's the kind of relationship. I'm not saying my son and I have a perfect relationship. But we, you know, we, we're very proud of both of each other. Her daughter still, you know, her daughter Coco was just an angel. Both of her kids are angels. Her daughter still grapples with post-traumatic stress disorder after finding her beloved murder mother murdered. She had to go to her for counseling. She feels slated because her, her mom won't be there when she's married or when her brother gets married. She has children or her brother have children. Her brother has children or when her children have children. She won't have that. Coco uh, um, and her brother will not have that. You know, they won't be able to say, oh, you know, um, the, you know, the babysitting and all that kind of stuff that goes with grandparenting and great-grandparenting. And they do have other family members, but it's just not the same. 
and to be it's one thing if your mother uh, passed away from old age or a health condition but when you have it then pass away for that that reason and to find them that way I mean it just doesn't make any it just is terrible um, so she feels like you know she got that taken away from her you know that that's not right um, and you know her brother feels the same way um, and I have conver I conversed with Carolyn's daughter and she's an absolute angel um, just like her angelic mother I mean she was absolutely um, an angel to talk to I really enjoyed just talking with her I felt I had saw my hear myself crying when she would talk to me I mean she was just such a wonderful beautiful girl to talk to and I I, I then that I think that uh, people are product of their children and uh, I think she you know is a product of her wonderful sweet mother so um, in closing I want to say there was a petition was started for protection of mental health workers personal information and like I said earlier shockingly the privacy of patients is protected but not a health professional or health care worker and this baffles like I said it baffles me okay the, um, and you know I'm not saying I think it's great that they have um, you know my son has had health issues um, he was in the hospital for a genetic mutation, um, and, and I do think it's important that they keep that private, okay? Um, but um, they should also be keeping, you know, addresses and things like that. You know, apparently you can go on to um, a website um, and do a background check and get somebody's address. And, you know, a doctor. And that's not right. You know, that's because you, like I said earlier, that they said, you know, when we talked about the therapists and what they go through, you know, um, psychiatrists and, you know, so anyway, so, um, you know, so this is what the petition read. Um, in this information age, it's easy for people to access personal information and find out where people live and work. If information isn't freely available it can be obtained legally for a fee this is concerning because it makes everyone an easy target for victimization like carolyn her life was tragically cut short and i believe this brutally violent incident could have been prevented if there were a law protecting healthcare workers personal information we often work with clients who are hostile and aggressive towards us as we do with do as as do first responders which are police lawyers police and judges okay and uh you know so that's you know it's not just that you know the, they were not just looking out for health care uh, professionals they were also looking out for you know our police and you know that, that they shouldn't be you know allow you shouldn't be no one should be able to obtain um your address if you're in that kind of position um this type of cleanliness has placed us at high risk for violent acts of retaliation we uphold a pledge to act ethically ensure confidentiality and to prevent harm and protect life we deserve the same treatment please support my petition banning the selling and buying of personal identifying information of high-risk professionals at this time. 
there has been, and you know, I looked everywhere. I researched it. Um, I found nothing that there was no law for this privacy um, for professional uh, mental health professionals and police and all that. There was nothing like that. Um, but there's more laws now for privacy of patients, which, like I said, that's a good thing too. But you know, there's got to be a change for you know healthcare workers. They shouldn't have to feel just because they're helping people and they're healthcare workers, they shouldn't have to feel like their you know life is in danger and they're at risk. So I hope you know maybe even this podcast somebody will hear this and say we got to do something. So um, if if you or anyone you know is a victim of stalk of stalking situation or harassment, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which offers a 24-7 free support and assistance, okay? And that's at 1-800-799-SAFE, and that's 1-800-799-7233, which is, that's spelled out safe, or via text, and, you know, because sometimes you have to, you know, the person might be there, so you text uh, START, S-T-A-R-T, all caps, and then to, and then you text it, the word START, in all caps, to 8878. That's 88, you text it to 8878, and you text START, in all caps, with, um, you know, um, to do that. Also, if you or anyone you know are, are danger to themselves or danger to others, please call Sam Samsha, and I know that sounds like a big word, but it's not. It's actually, um, you know, the uh, it's a mental health helpline, um, and it it helps. Um, is a free, confidential, three hundred sixty-five day a year treatment referral and information service in in English or Spanish for individuals and families facing mental illness and or substance abuse disorders. So it's um, that number is three hundred one eight hundred six six two help, which is uh, four three five seven. That's one eight hundred six six two help. That which helps is four three five seven, and you know you can call them anytime. They can help you find some help, or you know give you some help. So, um, and that's for mental health, people with mental health issues or depression or they feel suicidal or substance abuse disorders too, you know, so, you know, if you're having a substance abuse problem. Um, so, and so there's help out there, people. There's help. And I will put that all on my Facebook page, you know, all these, um, numbers and everything. Okay? Also, I, you know, put, we'll put... Um, thank you for listening. It means so much to me that you listen. I try to, you know, do it um, in a way that honors the um, victims. And, you know, sometimes I do have my opinion about the family of the criminals. And I try not to, you know, in, in some cases, like, you know, when I did the Amory Faggy case, I... You know, that, that, the Capano family, even though Tom, you know, they went through a lot, and they tried, you know, hard to, um, they didn't have, you know, that was different, um, 
But that, you know, this, when a family doesn't even want to apologize to people, that's just like, you know, that's horrible. So, I just want to say that, you know, I try to do that. I try to respect, and I do have respect for Christopher Frick's parents. I, I'm not saying that they didn't go through a rough time, or I can't imagine what I would do if that was my son. So, I'm not in their shoes, but I do think it would have been nice if they apologized to the, um... Carolyn's family and children, but that's okay. All right, so anyway, thank you for listening. Um, it means so much to me, like I said. Tune in to Delaware Crime Podcast for another new episode next Monday on 726, July 26, 2021. Uh, for clips and photos of this case and others, please log on to www.facebook.com that's www.facebook.com dash Delaware Crime 21 and that's a capital D and it's not spelled like regular Delaware it's D-E-L-A-W-H-E-R-E and then capital C R-I-M-E 21 Okay, and that will be, I put that on my um, episode description, so you can just even click on it, right? And if you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, anything like that, I'm open to everything, please feel free to email me, Nikki, at nrvdel at gmail.com. That's N as in Nikki, R as in Rose, V as in Victor, G as in Dog, E as in Each, and L as in Love, at gmail.com and again thank you for listening Delaware Crime is an audio Francis production what do you think Francis okay mom <laughs>